Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. I am joined today by a very special guest. He is the managing editor over at 213 Hoops. It's Robert Flom, a.k.a. Rich Homie Flom, on Twitter. Uh, Robert, how are you, first of all? And and uh, thank you for so much for coming on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And I'm doing great because it's Friday night, and... Friday night is is the best time of the week. I wish I could live all my days as if they were Friday nights. So I'm I'm doing great. <laughs> How are you doing? You know, it's it's funny. Like I because I'm I'm fortunate that I, I haven't had to pick up a second job with with the blogging and with with running the site over here. Uh, but every day is really just a game day or an off day for me. I have no bearing on what the week is. Like it's it's <laughs> either I have three things to do today or five things to do today, or, Hey, I've only got a couple things to do today because the nuggets don't play. Uh, so it's been a, that's, that's yeah. been stressful, but Hey, I'm, I'm, it's, it is five o'clock somewhere for somebody right now. And I'm, uh, <laughs> I am hoping that they're enjoying it, especially for this weekend. And the nuggets I'm sure are probably enjoying themselves. This is the first time they've traveled to LA uh, since the pandemic hit. So this should be a, we'll see, we'll see oh. how this goes for them. <laughs> I did not know that. That is that's pretty crazy. Actually, is that is that even true? No, because they traveled uh for to play the Clippers last game, uh, uh in April, but that was a it was like like very beginning of April, uh but that was a different Nuggets team, of course. Mm-hmm. Jamal Murray yep. was healthy at that point. Will Barton was healthy at that point. Uh, doesn't look like the the Nuggets aren't going to get back Jamal Murray anytime soon, but. Uh, it's just a very tangible, tangibly different feeling for the Nuggets from from that point where that felt like a statement game to where they are now. So it's been it's been tough as a Nuggets fan, but as a Clippers fan, as 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 a managing editor over at two one three. Speaking of which, two one three hoops. If if Nuggets fans, if you haven't checked that out, that is a a new Clippers blog that was started by Robert Flom, Lucas Hahn. Uh, these guys are doing great. They're a part of SB Nation before, but the uh, the the rules and, and the regulations over at SB Nation kind of force things to go a different way is what I will say. Uh, that's 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 a, another topic for another podcast. Uh, but everybody should check out 213 Hoops. And I have to ask, 213, area code for Los Angeles, why didn't you pick 323 Hoops? So uh, it just makes sense with Kawhi being number two and Paul George being 13. So, Oh, well, that that is a great idea. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it, it all kind of fit. I don't know if they chose those specifically because of the area code and the move to Inglewood. I don't think so, because I think those have just been their numbers. Um, so it, it all just kind of works out well. It's your destiny or whatever. I, I don't know about all that, but it works well for a site name. So <laughs> that's what we sure. want. And it's great. No, it, it was it was very interesting. You guys do great work over there. It's a comprehensive uh previews, recaps, analysis, podcasts, a lot of what we do over at Denver Stiffs. So make sure to go mm-hmm. check them out, Nuggets fans, if you're looking for a different perspective on what the Nuggets have done this year. So should be very interesting. Uh, okay, let's talk about the Clippers. First segment, second segment, yeah. we'll go into the playoff talk. And then third segment, we'll break down this matchup specifically. Uh, Clippers talk. This team, this Clippers team is shooting the ball at an uncharacteristically high rate. Uh is that the main difference this year? Is that what feels tangibly different? Or is there something else that you can point to that feels tangibly different from last year? I think there, there are a couple things. So they are shooting the ball better. Uh, but, you know, coaching is a big thing. Uh, um, we all saw Doc Rivers kind of uh, trip over his own shoelaces in the playoffs uh, in, in multiple ways. And it was, it was time for a coaching change. And Tyloo has been very good. Um, there are things he doesn't do great. There are things every coach in the NBA doesn't do great. Um, but overall, he has been an improvement over Doc Rivers in terms of both X's and O's, as well as in terms of the locker room and, and holding people accountable. And that leads directly into the second tangible difference, which is, I think the, uh, the hashtag vibes are, are somewhat better this year for the Clippers. Um, it, there are still weaknesses to point out um, regarding their team and like the chemistry. I think you can still make the clay slit you know, they might lack some leadership and, you know, that's why they brought on Rajon Rondo, but Rondo is a bench player who's going to be playing like 20 minutes a game. Maybe you don't want that guy to be your veteran leader. Um, but overall the, the locker room seems much better this year. Um, last year, I think it was overplayed to an extent 
Um, you know, because that's always just a juicier story than coach is terrible or team falls apart due to, you know, whatever reason. Um, it's sure. always more fun to just say it's, it's, it's bad chemistry. It's bad locker room. Um, but unquestionably there were issues last year, um, most notably centering around Montres Harrell and difficulties with him. Uh, and he has gone, um, Lou Williams, who is not quite that much of a presence and was also very well liked around the team, but was still a kind of a, a throwback to those uh, older Clippers, I guess, is also gone now. And really that the entire roster has been basically changed over from their playoff run two years ago when they made that, you know, that the, the run against the Warriors and had that amazing comeback. The only two players left from that team are Pat Beverly and Avita Zubats. And Beverly barely even feels like part of the team because he's been out almost the entire year. Um, so it, it just is a very different feel to the to the team. Um, obviously, it's difficult for people to get a true sense of the, of the locker room because, you know, it's COVID and we're not in the locker room. Um, but just watching the team and, and listening to them talk, things do feel tangibly different in that realm. So I think those are the two biggest things is coaching and then the culture, and which is part of coaching. And the shooting has been insane. It's, it's the best shooting in NBA history on this volume. You know, who knows if, if it will last. Um, but this Clippers team is at least somewhat different from last year. We can discuss if it's different in any meaningful way, but they are different to some extent. Well, there are a lot of different pieces, like you mentioned, and, and like Terrence Mann has come completely out yeah. of nowhere from, from my perspective. Like I'm sure you guys knew about him, but he he's been awesome. And, and Luke Kennard is a new addition and mm-hmm. they've just had just a variety of different new pieces. Serge Ibaka hasn't really played since, uh, how how long has it really been since he's played? He's it feels been out like he's for been about out. 25 games. Man, that's it's just such a long time. To, and that's a that's yeah. a scary amount of time. That's over 33% of the year. So yeah, I, and it's with very vague back tightness, back soreness. So uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't like that. That's a that's a little bit that's a little bit shaky. Uh but e- either way, like it, it's been a lot of new pieces kind of circled around. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and I think I think if you start any conversation about the Clippers it has to start with those two uh, have they met expectations this year in your opinion and and what what do you how do you feel about them kind of going into a playoff series now I think they have met expectations I think for a large chunk of the start of the year, I think they were underperforming a little bit on defense. Um, the Clippers, you know, one of the weaknesses that people were pointing out over the first half of the season was that they were, you know, below average or around average defensively. They were hanging in like the 18th to 20th range in defensive rating. And a large part of that really was, was Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, they're not, they're never bad defenders. I mean, they've made so many all defense teams, you know, Kawhi Leonard in particular, one of the most feared perimeter defenders of his generation. Uh, but they just weren't that great on defense for a lot of the year. And more recently um, they started locking in a little bit. Uh, so I think overall they have met expectations. Kawhi Leonard, if he'd played more games would be, I hate this term would be in the quote MVP conversation, <laughs> which basically means he'd be getting like fourth and fifth place place votes, probably very deservedly. So he's been really, really good. Um, sure, and Paul George has. is, is going to make an all NBA team. Like they're both all NBA. Kawhi is probably going to be second team. Paul George is probably going to be third team. Um, I don't think either should make an all defense team. One of them probably will just for reputation reasons, but um, you know, they've both been really, really good. And it's, it's hard to ask much more than making, you know, having your two superstars make all NBA teams. Um, you know, especially considering that they're a little bit older, they've dealt with injury issues, they've had, you know, with COVID, you know, missed games are to be expected. So I think there have been some ups and downs. Paul George had a really rough stretch um, when he was battling with a foot injury and he kind of went cold for a month, but he's been better, you know, in the past couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think they haven't necessarily exceeded expectations, um, but they've both been very, very, very good. And they're certainly not the issues with this Clippers team. If the Clippers fail in the playoffs again, um, it will not be because of them, just like it wasn't really because of them last year. Um, Agreed. You know, Agreed. they could have done more. Um, you know, any team that loses always has guys who can do more. Um, but they were not the reason that the Clippers lost, and they almost certainly won't be this year either. I'm with you on that one. Uh, one of the big pressure points between kind of Clippers, 
analysts and, and fans as well as national media uh, has been the point guard position. And with mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly, he's been a, a very appreciated member of what the Clippers have done. He's improved his game drastically, but the, the talk after the playoffs and the talk with some of the, the clutch collapses and whatnot has been about adding a point guard has been about adding a playmaker that can get them into the offense. They did add Rajon Rondo. Reggie Jackson has played pretty well. Uh, what do you think about those two? You've been pretty outspoken in the past that that those guys just aren't great players, but have they surprised you at all? Have they have they gone above and beyond? Both of them have surprised me. Um, Rondo, I, I just like for non-basketball reasons as well, uh, which is sure. part of why I'm so outspoken. Um, he's been really, really good. And I was, I fairly bought in with playoff Rondo. You know, enough people have told me about playoff Rondo um, there's enough of a sample size that that really seems like a thing. I was really not expecting anything from him in the regular season. He was just terrible for the Hawks to start the year and has not been good in the regular season for years now, but he has been very, very good for the Clippers through 11 games. Um, and Reggie Jackson has also been good, but I, I, the thing with Reggie is I still just don't trust him in the playoffs. His defense is really bad. The decision-making is still questionable. He's shot the ball amazingly well. Um, and he's, you know, he's been really clutch in in big situations. He's a guy who everybody on the team loves, um, just has stepped up really, really well with Beverly missing so much time. And also with guys like Paul George missing time, he's played as shoot as a starting shooting guard for games as well this year. Um, it's really commendable. I still cannot trust him in a playoff rotation. And I still think point guard is probably the biggest weakness, even with how good Rondo has played, because Beverly has missed so much time. Um, it seems very unlikely he's fully ramped up by the playoffs. And if he's not, then you're either relying probably too heavily on Rondo, who's, you know, older and still is not a guy who's really feared as a shooter um, or giving minutes to Reggie Jackson, who, again, the defense is just not there. And the decision making, I you just can't rely on consistently enough in a playoff setting. So. Well, I do think both those guys have been good. And I think Rondo in particular, I you can probably count on for at least 20 minutes in the playoffs. I think that's that's still the area of weakness, not necessarily just due to like a playmaking deficiency. The Clippers offense is great. I think it's more just having minutes of like sheer minutes available and really uh, more than anything, you know, the, the good combination of shooting defense and, and creation where most of those guys offer one, maybe two, but not all three. Um, and ideally you'd, you'd like to have somebody who could bring all three of those things to the table. So I think it's still their weakness. Um, if Pat Beverly is healthy, that will go a long, long way though, for the Clippers. I, I was just going to ask, uh, between Patrick Beverly and Terrence Mann, because Terrence Mann feels like a guy who could fill that role, at least mm-hmm. in a capacity, if he's not like having to do main point guard duties, just kind of be a slasher, just try to be kind of a combo finisher, whatever, uh, is he is he good enough defensively in order to kind of make up for for some of those questions on the offensive end where Kawhi and Paul George, Marcus Morris shooting well, if he's a Zubat rolling to the rim, like there's a lot of ways that the Clippers can still score. Uh, could do you see them trusting him in a playoff series? We don't really know until we see what Tyloo does. Is is the most boring way to put it? I would trust him in a playoff series. Um, I've been very high on Terrence Mann since I saw him in summer league a couple years ago in his first summer league. It feels like forever ago. It was less than two years ago. Um, he can really play. Um, the defense is up and down because he has size and he's athletic and the Clippers desperately need both of those things because they are undersized a lot on the perimeter outside of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And they are old, they are old and they are slow and they are not very athletic. Um, and they got even older and slower at the trade deadline when they brought in Rajon Rondo and DeMarcus Cousins. Um, yeah. So Terrence Mann is a guy who has added a ton of energy and, and athleticism and downhill attacking. Um, but the defense, he has the tools. He's a little inconsistent. He can lose guys off ball. He's foul heavy. All the usual things that young guys in the NBA do. Um, off sure. ball defense is really, really hard. Not, you know, fouling guys in the NBA, especially in the modern NBA when, you know, shooters are protected and guys have all these tricks to get fouls. It's very, very difficult. He is susceptible to those. He is not at the level of, you know, like a Matisse Teibel or Macau Bridges, who are young guys who have that's all kind of clicked for them already. Um, But the offense is actually is is worth it, I'd say. 
um, because despite the lack of shooting, the, the downhill driving has been his best attribute um, outside of his rebounding, which is very good um, because the Clippers just don't have the juice to get to the rim very much. And Terrence Mann can get to the rim and he will finish at the rim. Um, so yeah, he, he yeah, I, it's really tough because it's tough to play him with Rondo because neither of them are willing or super high volume shooters, which means it, it can limit spacing. But if you pair him with enough shooting, I think he is playable and I would play him over say Reggie Jackson in a playoff series. Interesting. Uh, Ty Lue feels like a guy who would give the benefit of the doubt to veterans, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like Doc Rivers. I mean, he was on the bench <laughs> for that series. So there is definitely something to be said for that. But I, I am open to the possibility that he surprises and that he kind of commits to the guys that are more explosive, that are a little bit, that give you a little bit more juice and athleticism, mm-hmm. like you say. Uh, so going into these playoffs, how, how confident do you feel uh, based off of what happened last year? It's in the rearview mirror, or is it like like is that still something that that Clippers fans are concerned about? Like it's 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 still like it it feels like a cloud that's still hanging over it until you defeat the demons. But maybe maybe that's wrong. Well, I mean, I, the cloud for Clippers fans is just is always been a cloud. It's you know, <laughs> the Clippers have never made a conference finals. Um, I would argue, well. I mean, Clippers fans have debated whether last year's collapse was better or worse than the Houston Rockets collapse in 2015. Um, All things considered, I'd say last year's was probably worse because I think the Clippers team was better. Um, And I I think somewhat was more in their control in terms of coaching. Um, Obviously, the play of of Nikola Jokic was was fairly out of their control. Um, But there were things that they could have done differently. The Rockets was just one of the flukiest shooting performances of all time. But the clouds (laughs) are just Josh Smith, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Josh Smith and Corey Brewer hit about eight threes in a fourth quarter. Um, So Clippers fans always expect the worst. Um, But going into this playoff series, you know, these playoffs, I think there's some optimism due to the coaching. I think that fans are a lot more confident in Ty Lue to make quicker decisions and more radical decisions than Doc Rivers did. Um, you know, Doc went down with his guys. He was going to play Montrezl Harrell, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a game, every game. It didn't matter if Nicole Jokic was, you know, scoring on him with one hand while, you know, eating Cheetos in the other hand. It did not <laughs> matter um, what was going on. He was going to play Montrezl Harrell. Um, so I think there is some confidence there. Um, and I think this team just looks better. It's it's really hard to quantify. I mean, they have been better offensively. I think they've been worse defensively than they were last year. They just feel like a, a better team. Um, they their the depth is better defensively. Last year relied a lot on Lou Williams and Montres Harrell, neither of whom are noted defenders. Right. Um, this year's team is more savvy defensively, bringing in Serge Ibaka. Nick Batum has been a complete revelation. Very um, good. Very good. Yeah. Player. And Rondo has been, again, good in his limited minutes. And, and even skeptics were, were pretty confident he'd be better defensively than Lou. So I think there are reasons for optimism. At the same time, the Western Conference playoffs are going to be a bloodbath. And the standings just, it's impossible to know how things are going to shake out. Things are so close, both at one and two, three and four, five and six. Like all these races are very, very close. So, um, you know, playoffs runs for every team but like you know the 2017 warriors is a lot of luck it's a lot of luck you know um teams the blazers what two three years ago made it to the conference finals that team was no better was worse than probably five clippers teams of the past half decade but made it further because they got some lucky matchups they had some injury luck break their way and uh (laughs) yeah yeah um so to some extent come down to that if the Clippers draw the Lakers in the first round they match up well with the Lakers but the Lakers have a, a little a player named LeBron James and you know um as as everybody knows yeah so <laughs> I, I think Clippers fans are more confident but it's it's hard to be too too confident because the team has been up and down and with their they're dealing with a lot of injuries and there's still not a really a lot of time for the team to gel and and get cohesive so I don't want to say that the clouds from last year in particular linger over, um, but I think just the Clippers cloud in general, just something is going to happen and we just don't know what. We call it nug life over here. Uh, that's our <laughs> that's our thing. Uh, 
Nug Life happened when Jamal Murray went down with a torn ACL and they're the most talented team that they've ever fielded. Uh, so I totally feel it. I totally get it. Uh, but hey, let's pivot into some playoff talk after the yeah. break. Uh, I think this is going to be really important to discuss just how things are going to go and whether we can even get any grip on it at all. Uh, but let's take a break. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, Nuggets fans, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. It's almost post time in Kentucky. Horses and jockeys, they're making their way to the most iconic horse racing tracks in the world for this weekend's premier race, the Kentucky Derby. $100,000 in prizes is up for grabs at DraftKings in a free-to-play pool for your shot. You could get as much as 100 k Grab your hats, your mini juleps, and head to the App Store now. DraftKings free-to-play pools, they're so easy. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, choose from a wide variety of free contests for your an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is enter the pool and answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen this Saturday in Kentucky. Track the results of the race throughout the day. Questions will range from who will be crowned the winner, what the winning time will be, and so much more. DraftKings, it's safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code MHS to enter the free horsing race pool with $100,000 in cash prizes up for grabs. That's promo code MHS to get a free shot at $100,000 in prizes, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. we're back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in uh joined today by robert flum who is the managing editor over at 213 hoops make sure to go check him out make sure to follow him uh this has been a really really interesting western conference playoff run yep. i think it's it's one of the it is definitely one of the things that separates the west from the east because you just never get this from the eastern conference at, at, at any point in their history. Like it's just, it's just so painful to look at the standings over and over again and think, wow, the New York Knicks are in where the nuggets are right now. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the nuggets are uh, the nuggets. The Knicks are a good story, but uh, I think the Clippers would be, would be perfectly happy to play them in a hypothetical first round playoff series. I think the Blazers (laughs) would be happy to play them in a playoff series. Like that's how crazy it is. Like I think you could sell yourself on the Mavericks and the Blazers also being better than the fourth seed in the East. Yes. I mean, they just have players who are, Julius Randle has been great. Um, Damian Lillard and Luka Doncic are just much scarier players than anybody on the Knicks. And and the Knicks don't have anybody who can stop either of those guys. So, you know, I, yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's painful, but Hey, we're here to talk about it. We're here to break it all down for everybody. And I have the standings in front of me here. Uh, The jazz and the Suns are playing right now. It looks like the Suns are running away with it over a jazz team that doesn't have Conley and Mitchell, uh, so jazz at 45 and 17 will be 45 and 18. The Suns are at 44 and 18 will be 45 and 18. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting because I think the Suns are going to hop into the one seed mm-hmm. and, and they may not look back uh, given the jazz injury concerns that we've seen over the course of these last few weeks. Uh, that is that locked in like like those teams in one and two like like maybe not maybe not sons at one but i don't know if the clippers or the nuggets can really catch them at this point i don't think so um the suns do have a very difficult schedule i was watching that game earlier before we started on the pod and there was an infographic about how the suns uh they have how many games do they have left they have nine games left after today seven of them are on the road and seven of them are against teams over 500 um, yeah. That being said, the Suns have been extremely good this year and have been fairly healthy. I, I Jay Crowder's out right now. They just got Dario Saric back. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I think th- I would feel pretty good about them beating a fair amount of those teams anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, considering their three losses up on the Clippers and Nuggets with, um, you know, under 10 games to go, I, I barring 
a monumental collapse or an injury that I really hope doesn't happen to like Rudy Gobert or Devin Booker or Chris Paul, I think those teams are probably going to be one and two in some order. I think you're right. I think that at this point, like we could, we could probably pencil those two in uh, just because, and the Clippers, the one thing that that stands out with them, you've only got eight games to make up. Like, like there, there just isn't as many opportunities for them. Like if they, if they go eight and no, then great. Then maybe they do it. I don't think they're going to go eight and no. Like I, I think the, the Clippers optimist wouldn't say that they would go eight and no. Am I right? They're not. I, they do have a few really easy games down the stretch, but I mean, I think like six and two and five and three is is probably the most likely outcome. That's basically what they've been winning at most of the year. Yeah, six and two. I could definitely see that. Like that. That feels that feels very reasonable. Uh, but this game on on Saturday is going to be one of those games that we're just like we're going to see how that one goes. I, I think the yeah. Clippers will probably win, and we'll get to that in the third segment. But okay, right now Clippers at three, Nuggets at four, separated by half a game, one win. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers at five. They are currently five games back in the loss column. Looks like the win tonight over the Kings that I was checking that score and it, it just looks like the Kings aren't going to put up much of the fight in the second half in all likelihood. So probably pencil on a win for the Lakers there, but, but that might change. Uh, I still don't think that they're catching the Nuggets or the Clippers though. Like, oh, they're, no. they're just no, no, no. really isn't enough time. So, yeah. so we've got the top four kind of set. You've got the Jazz and the Suns at one and two. Uh, Clippers and Nuggets don't have, to, don't have to worry about them yet. Clippers and Nuggets at three and four. They're set, not going to budge. The Lakers, the Mavericks, and the Blazers. I, I will throw the Blazers back into this because they've they've won some impressive games here of late. Uh, Lakers at thirty six and twenty six will move to thirty seven and twenty six. Mavericks at thirty five and twenty seven. So they're only one loss behind. Blazers at thirty five and twenty eight. So they're only two losses behind. So it is possible. Is it likely? Uh, we're, we're just going to have to see. I I am. Curious to hear your opinion on this one, though. Uh, how concerned are Clippers fans about seeding in general outside of a matchup with the Lakers? Not that concerned. It is really all about the Lakers. It's about avoiding the Lakers as much as long as possible. Okay. Um, because it's interesting. We were actually just asked this on Twitter today about maybe it's better to catch the Lakers early before they can build momentum. Uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis have been out a long time. They might be rustier earlier in the playoffs. And that's the, I think that's fair. I think you could make an argument um, that that's the case. However, um, you always just want other teams to have a chance to beat the the team before you do. And the Clippers in particular, I think even more than the Nuggets, um, are a team that like really needs a decent playoff run. Um, You know, ideally, you know, a finals or a championship, but I think at least a conference finals is like they really need to get there. And, Playing the Lakers in the first round means that there's a very good chance that they lose in the first round again. And if that happens, who knows? I mean, you can say, oh, they played the Lakers. That was just a really bad draw. But still, like, you know, this is a team that's supposed to win a championship and they're losing in the first round. Um, so, yeah, it's really just about avoiding the Lakers. I think, you know, you could there are, there are plenty of other things you can discuss about who among the Jazz or Suns we'd rather play, who among kind of those lower teams, Mavs or Blazers maybe, would prefer to play. Um, where the Nuggets factor in, even with, you know, not having Murray and Barton and Morris also being out. Um, sure. But, yeah, it's really just not wanting to play the Lakers in any capacity until the conference finals. So if that's the worst case scenario, you, you just want to avoid the Lakers at all costs. That's just not something that like, look, I wouldn't want to face the Lakers either. And and the Nuggets are, are I think they're going to try to get away from the Lakers if they can. They yeah. may not have to do much because I think if let's say the Clippers win against the Nuggets and they kind of separate there, they kind of at that point, the three seed is going to be hard for the Nuggets to get because they have a harder schedule than the Clippers late. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Lakers just drop to six, that like on their own accord, which is very possible given what the Mavericks schedule looks like, then that that might be just the way that the Nuggets kind of avoid the Lakers at all costs, and the Clippers may just not be able to do anything about it unless they tank down the stretch. Uh, but what uh, let's let's be beyond the beyond the Lakers matchup mm-hmm. here. Um, what is the best case scenario for the Clippers? Which team do you want to see of the Mavericks and the Blazers? Is what I'll say. I've gone back and forth on this. I think. There are very, I think both teams are pretty similar. Um, yeah. the Mavs have probably been the better team this year. I think you know, the Blazers have 
kind of infamously had a much inflated record compared to the net rating because they've won a ton of close games, but they have played better recently. Um, you know, never really want to play Damian Lillard in a playoff series. But that being said, you don't really want to play Luka Doncic in a playoff series either. I do think, I do think the Blazers are a little bit scarier for as much as I laugh at them and call them frauds. And I do think they're frauds. Um, they, <laughs> I think, you know, CJ is more dangerous than anybody on the Mavs. Um, I am not a Porzingis believer in any way. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is is an explosive scorer. Um, they have some very competent vets. You know, Jalen Brunson's a guy who should get some six-man-of-the-year love. Um, you know, they're very, very well coached. But ultimately, the Clippers, I think, there's, I really can't see a scenario where the Mavs beat them. Whereas the Blazers, it would be very, very disappointing. But I think there's more of an avenue for the Blazers to beat them in a, in a seven-game series. Just if you get two Dame games and two CJ games, all of a sudden you're there. Um, yeah. so I, I do think they would rather play the Mavs and they did beat the Mavs in six last year against the Mavs team. That was probably a little bit better last year. I, you know, Seth Curry has been a big absence for them. Josh Richardson really hasn't played great. Um, and I think this Clippers team is better and yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think the Mavs is probably the best case in the first round. And then the second round, I think the jazz um, the Clippers, I think, are just not that scared of the Utah Jazz. Um, maybe not scared of the Suns either, but I'm more scared of the Suns than the Jazz. Um, I think Booker is, you know, for a team with big wings um, like the Clippers, um, you know, I, I think they have a lot of size to throw at Donovan Mitchell. Um, and Devin Booker, just by virtue of him being a much bigger player than Mitchell, is, is somewhat harder to stop even if numbers and and overall impact is probably similar. And Chris Paul, um, you know, he destroyed the Clippers just two days ago. Um, He is older. He can't really create his own shot at the rim anymore, but he is still Chris Paul. Um, And I don't think the the Jazz have a second creator like that. You know, Mike Conley is very good. He is just not Chris Paul. Um, Yeah, I'm – between those two, I'm I'm more worried about Chris Paul getting into Paul George's head than I am about Joe Ingles again. That's that's like that's not going to happen in this case. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, and also, you know, the, the Paul George narrative is so weird. Like those Thunder teams just weren't that good, really. I, I right. he and Russell Westbrook were really really good, but the rest of that team, I mean, their third best player was like Stephen Adams and. Who else do they have? They had like a pre breakout Jeremy Grant and I, I, I you know. Mellow um, for one of those years. That's that's an anchor. Like <laughs> really bad mellow, awful mellow. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like I, I'm not that worried about the Jazz. They're very, very good. Like, I don't want to knock the Jazz. They are clearly an extremely good team. Quinn Snyder is a very good coach. Um, Mitchell's absolutely explosive, as we saw in the playoffs last year. Um, but you're, I think you're good this, to hate. Like, you're good to hate on the Jazz on this podcast. Like, Nuggets <laughs> fans are okay with hating on the Jazz. And and we we understand that Jokic just kind of lives in between Rudy Gobert's ears. So like, we get it. Like it's, yeah. it's definitely a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think, I think the Suns are a tougher matchup and I think they also have better wing defenders. Um, you know, Ingles yeah. is good. Um, Mikhail Bridges is just much better wing defender. He's a lot bigger than Royce O'Neal. Who's probably the jazz's best wing defender. Um, Cam yeah. Johnson's pretty good. Jay Crowder is honestly, I think the Suns just have more options to throw out Kawhi and Paul George as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the Clippers should beat them in a playoff series, right? Like, they still do have more talent overall. Um, they have two guys who should be the two best players in that series. Um, and the same is true against really any team in the West outside of, um, you know, Denver and Los Angeles and maybe Mavs or Blazers with with Lillard and Luka. But it's really, you know, the, the Suns and Jazz, despite them being the top of the standings, don't have like a true top level superstar, which I think does make them, you know, somewhat more vulnerable. Yeah, it's it's they they've instilled less fear than any top two seeds that I could really remember. Uh, the Nuggets in 2019 were one of those, like like where they were pre Nikola Jokic really showing how great he was, and he did win. He was fourth in MVP voting that year, but like that, it felt very similar to what Chris Paul is doing now where yeah, he's probably going to be fourth place, fifth place MVP votes. Like, like that's probably where we're at with him at this point. 
and he's very good, and they elevated a team that was bad the year before. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how they do. We'll see how these teams do. But I, I look forward to the Nuggets beating you guys on the other side of the bracket after the miraculous run. That'll be a, that'll be very, very, very spectacular to, to have a Western Conference Finals rematch. I will say um, the Nuggets are still probably the second scariest team to me, um, even with Jamal Murray being out, just because Jokic is so good. And, you know, while I do think, you know, playing Zubats more compared to having Montrezl Hero and having Serge Ibaka as an option, I mean, even DeMarcus Cousins and kind of a Dwight Howard, just have him hit Jokic hard several times <laughs> a game um, is oh, an option, Marcus I guess. Uh, um, yeah. But I'd say the Nuggets are still probably the second scariest team. Like, I maybe that's discrediting the Suns or Jazz too much, but Jokic really is that good. Um, and, you know, Gordon and, and Porter are guys who you can feasibly throw at, at George and Kawhi Leonard. I, you know that's still a lot to ask for Michael Porter jr. For seven games in a playoff series. Um, but the, the nuggets are still really, really good. Um, and yeah, I, I would, I would like to avoid them as long as possible too. The ideal Clippers draw is they play the Lakers in the first round and one of them loses. The, the thing that Michael Porter does really well on the defensive end is actually just moving his feet and, and matching up against big wings and isolation and things like that. Uh, so that that's one thing that I think he would have going for him in that playoff series. Mm-hmm. If he had to run through a lot of off-ball stuff, if he had to defend a lot of different actions, then that gets a little bit more concerning. And and they'll probably put him through the ringer, let's be honest. But uh, he's he's made so many more strides than I ever thought he would. So I'm uh, I, I'm I'm just not going to put a cap on what his ceiling is on defense or offense at this point because <laughs> he's just been incredible. I I don't know how to feel about it. Like it's been unbelievable. Yeah, I mean the Nuggets. The Nuggets are really good. Um, when I was when I was doing the preview for the game tomorrow, and I was writing that up, I mean Porter Jr. I think is averaging you know twenty five and a half points over the last ten games. I think roughly, um, if my yeah. math is correct, and on crazy efficiency, he's improving a lot on defense. Um, and you know the the rest of their team, there's they have a lot of very solid veterans. Um, you know, I I don't know if there's anybody else on that roster with. Murray out and, and Morris and Barton also out who you're really that scared of exploding on you, but they just have a lot of competent guys who know their roles and will play defense um, and move the ball and can hit open shots. And when you have Jokic playing, you know, 40 minutes a game and Michael Porter Jr. probably playing around that much too, you know, I don't know how much else you need. Um, you know, it, it would be nice to have more, but um, the, yeah. the Nuggets are going to be really good. Um, so, yeah, I know. And the Nilkic is just an awful, awful matchup for the Clippers. They match up much better with the Lakers, despite how scary LeBron is, because they have so many guys to throw at LeBron, more than probably any other team in the NBA. Um, yeah, and I would say just so. not, Yeah, and just not not the case with Jokic, where, you know, I love Avita Zubac, but that is a tough matchup for him. And it's, you know, Serge Ibaka five years ago maybe could have done a very good job on Nikola Jokic, but... I don't know about current Serge Ibaka. Yeah, we'll see. And we're going to talk about it. Let's let's hit a break now. Let's let's talk about this Nuggets Clippers game after the break on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, final segment, we're going to talk Nuggets Clippers, joined by uh, Robert Plum, Rich Homie Plum on Twitter. Make sure to follow him. Uh, where did that come from, by the way? I'm, I'm curious. Is, is that just a, a personal choice, or was it a, a nickname you were given? Oh, no, not a nickname I was given. I, when I was devising a Twitter handle, this was the winter of 2013. Um, Rich Homie Kwan was just a big rapper at the time. And uh, yeah. Rich Homie Quan and Flom was a, it was a pretty easy substitution. Yeah, every year fewer and fewer people get the reference because I, I don't know if Rich Homie Quan is even releasing music anymore. Um, but uh, that that is where it came from. <laughs> I love it. Hey, it's 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 everybody needs a story. Mine's NBA Blackburn. So like it's it's really <laughs> like it could it could have been a lot better. Uh, let's just say that. Um, okay, Nuggets Clippers. Uh, yeah. tomorrow night it's going to be on ESPN should be yeah. a lot of fun 
this is a big matchup for both teams, as we talked about. Hey, it could be the battle for third place at this point because whoever wins this will be in the driver's seat yep. for getting that third seed. And if the Lakers look anything like they they might with with LeBron and and uh, and AD coming back, then they'll probably get the fifth seed. But you never know. Uh, we're just gonna have to see how that plays out. So, but th- it does mean something for the, yep. for this game, and it's there's also some psychological meaning for this one as well. Uh, biggest question I have is: Will Kawhi Leonard play? What what is the injury that he has? How long has he been out right now? He's been out for. Well, he was out for a while, and then he came back for a game, and then has been out again. Uh, which hate is, that. I hate that. It's the worst. Yeah. It, it, Clippers fans, I'm sure every fans of every team hate their team's, um, wow, I can't, uh, athletic training staff. Uh, Clippers fans hate that their athletic training staff. Jason Powell has been around since before Lob City. He is probably the only player in the entire, the only person in the entire organization who predates Steve Ballmer and kind of the Lob City era. Wow. Um, he's been around for a very long time, and Clippers fans have hated him for a very long time. Um, so, there was a lot of grumbling about that. By most accounts, it seems to be precautionary where he has some pain. It's not like a true serious injury, but they want to keep him healthy and rested for the playoffs because if Kawhi misses the playoffs and the Clippers are going to lose in the first round again, um, and that's just not going to be good for anybody. So there really hasn't been, they keep a, a very close lid on who's going to play and when they're going to play at, you know, Pat Beverly and Serge Ibaka have been, not even ruled out with like weeks in advance. They haven't been given timetables. It's just been every, every game is just, are they going to be questionable? Or are they going to be out? Um, so the Clippers generally do not announce much stuff beforehand. My guess is that he will play. Um, the Clippers have nine games left at some point. They need to start getting these guys back in to get some rhythm into the playoffs. If it is precautionary, I mean, this is a really big game for the standings. So was Wednesday's game. And he didn't play in that one against the Suns, which the Clippers lost. Um, but it's been another three days since then. Um, and I, I have an inkling he'll play, but I, I wouldn't say I'm super strong on it. I think he he probably will. But I, even if he does, my guess is he will have a minutes restriction of some kind. Yeah, it should be just there's going to be some precautionary measures, I'm sure, taken. Uh, the, the realistic expen- expectation, I would say, is you, you probably want him to play about 30 minutes. Like he's not going to play 40, not going to play 35, probably probably at 30 and we'll, we'll just see like, like whether this game is close enough that that matters towards the end. And then whether, whether he goes in for, for a little bit beyond that, uh, that, that, uh, that minutes restriction, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't, I really don't know. I'm not as confident about the Clippers winning this game <laughs> as you seem to be. Uh, this Clippers team is, you just, you never know what to expect from them, which is not a, a great thing for a team that's hoping to win a championship. Yeah, it's just been, it's just been so difficult for Denver of of late to to mm-hmm. score to to put together competent shooting lineups around Nikola Jokic, uh, where hey, Faku Campazo is the second most reliable shooter around Jokic right now, outside <laughs> of Michael Porter. Like we we're we're at that stage of this where PJ Dozier is starting, Aaron Gordon is starting. Aaron Gordon has just not been a good outside shooter for Denver, and that's been that's been pretty uh, difficult to to stomach with Murray and Barton out. Yeah, uh, but. We're just going to have to see. We're going to have to see how they handle it. Uh, obviously, Murray is out. Barton and Morris are out. They've been out. They've got hamstring strains, which is the the worst because yep. uh, you have no idea like how long that could go, and, and it could just linger forever. Uh, the last time these two teams played, Murray had 23. He had some clutch shots at the end. Barton had 19, four assists. Morris didn't play, but Faku did, and Denver is going to be starting Faku, Composito, and P.J. Dozier. So that's like – there, there are benefits to that from a defensive perspective where P.J. Dozier, really good defender, really, yep. really impressive defender, somebody who I've been very happy with. He'll probably guard Paul George if uh, mm-hmm. if uh, if they go back to Kawhi, Morris, P.J., and, and whoever's a point guard. Uh, if Kawhi does play, do you think he'll guard MPJ exclusively? Do you think they'll just – they're not going to care? Like, how do, you, how do you think they'll approach that? So, if – Kawhi Leonard does play. I think they will probably rotate him, Paul George, and Marcus Morris on him, um, just because I think they'll they'll want to give those guys a chance to take a crack at him, 
and slow him down, keep fresh legs on him, and probably don't care too much who's guarding PJ Dozier um, and Faku Campazzo, to be honest. And honestly, yeah. Aaron Gordon even. Um, you know, Aaron Gordon is, is a very good player. I'm not sure he's somebody the Clippers are really that worried is going to torch them offensively. Um, so I think those three guys will all take shots at him. If Kawhi does not play, I think it will be a lot of Marcus Morris because the Clippers are going to be trying to conserve Paul George's legs for offense. Um, they will desperately need his scoring and, and playmaking and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think they'll want him chasing around Michael Porter Jr. and through off ball and all that kind of stuff that Michael Porter does. So my guess is if Kawhi does play, it'll be kind of a, a rotation. And if he does not play, I think Marcus Morris will probably draw that assignment, which is not great for the Clippers. But, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Terrence Mann also might get the call on him, I would say. But that is where he is not great defensively. He's playing off ball. I can very easily see him fouling Porter on a on a closeout or like on a cut where he gets lost a little bit. But I Terrence Mann might get a, a call as well if Kawhi Leonard doesn't play. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, Denver Denver's been in the situation with with PJ Dozier out there, with Faku out there, with AG out there that. They just haven't had a lot of spacing. They've relied on Porter and Jokic in a two-man game and just yeah. off-ball stuff and to try to space the floor as much as they can. Uh, but it's been difficult and it's it's not it's not easy to be clear. And and that that could be a situation with uh with Morris guarding him. Uh because teams at the the Raptors did this last game where they just got as physical as they could with him. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to do as shooters, you want to get them off their spots. Uh, Porter had his worst game in a while. He went eight of 19 from the field, which is hilarious uh, because that's really not a bad game. Uh, yeah. But it's been it's been great to watch him. Assuming Kawhi does go, Denver's probably going to go PJ Dozier on PG on yeah PG, mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon on Kawhi, Michael Porter on Marcus Morris. But the good thing about those guys is they I feel like they can all switch those matchups and feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Uh, PJ is, is six, 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 seven over 200 pounds. So would he get muscled on a post up by Kawhi? Probably, but it, it wouldn't be the easiest thing in the world. And then uh, P, uh, PJ Dozier has been just really good defensively. That's been, that's been the identity shift with this Nuggets team is that they've become a lot more of a defensive team of late than, than their reputation speaks for. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've I noticed that in, in the couple of games that I've picked up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know it's interesting because Faku Kompasso has been good defensively, but he's just so undersized when the Clippers yeah. are at full strength. Um, they are going to hunt him down relentlessly, as good as he is defensively. Um, he's giving up like eight, nine inches to all of Morris, Paul George, and Kawhi. And well, I think the Nuggets would probably also live with Morris on Compasso if that's the matchup. I think both teams would kind of be okay with that happening. Um, I, I just, it, it'll be tough for them if, if Kawhi is playing to to play defense on on all three of those guys with Compasso out there. Um, but defense is, you know, something that, um, you know, Austin Rivers brings, um, beloved former Clipper, uh, will be very exciting to see him back. I don't think the Clippers have played against him this year because he was cut by the Knicks. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that the, the Nuggets, you know, if nothing else, they play really hard. Um, you know, they are a, a team that does not give up um, very easily. And sure. they just have, like I mentioned, they have a lot of just competent veterans, which goes a long way. Um, you know, you're bringing guys like Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green off the bench. Um, who I know have both had their ups and downs this year, but are overall, you know, on a game to game basis, you probably know a good amount of what you're getting. Um, and they are guys who I think could play well against the Clippers front court, which is what I've also writing about in my preview, which is, you know, they're probably going to be playing a good amount of Patrick Patterson, DeMarcus cousins, uh, which is not the, uh, the greatest defensive lineup either. So um yeah, I'm I'm interested to see this one. Like the Clippers have lost their last two games. Before that, they were playing really, really well. Um, but they still don't have any answer for Jokic. And I don't know. I, I think if Kawhi is in, I think the Clippers should win. But if Kawhi's out, I this could be this could be a really, really tight game. It should be fun. Uh the last time these two teams played, Avisa Zubac held Jokic to a really down game for him. Uh, I think it, it might have been one of his worst games of the year, actually. I doubt that happens again, but it certainly could, especially given the the personnel that Denver has out there right now. Uh, but we'll see. We're we're gonna we're gonna see how that goes. Uh, I have the Clippers winning by about ten, uh, but it, Denver winning wouldn't surprise me. Like you said, they are a team that works well 
at a disadvantage. They're a team that works well when the chips are down, when, when uh, it's just been, it's just been crazy to watch them since Murray went down, but uh, they just have such a disadvantage in this one. I think that it's going to be, it's going to be really tough. Yeah, I think it really hinges on whether Kawhi plays or not. Um, if Kawhi plays, the Clippers just have so much more firepower than the Nuggets will have. Um, it'll be it'll be tough for them. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. Uh, the Nuggets are, are a fun team. They have a couple of, of very well liked former Clippers on the roster, uh, which is always cool. And yeah, I mean, the Clippers have plenty of weaknesses of their own, um, which, you know, the Nuggets can exploit. I, I, I do remember the previous matchup and Avita Zubats is a very good defender. Uh, one thing to watch out for, though, is the Clippers are starting to wear down, um, which we've seen recently. Okay. Um, their guys have played a lot of minutes because, you know, they've had so many injuries and guys going in and out that they've had to rely a lot on like Reggie Jackson, who's not supposed to have a big role entering the season. He is notably not quite as sharp as he was a couple weeks ago and zoo is is slowing down a little bit as well he's still playing well he's still a very good center um but and the clippers have had a couple days off you know with rest so maybe they're in a better spot but um the past couple games there's there's been some slippage there those guys their legs are, are definitely going a little bit so it could maybe it ends up being much more of a defensive a battle and and it's a, a more low scoring game surprisingly we're going to see. Uh, I, I wonder if Jokic just pops some threes for that reason. Like if, if, if they want to play drop coverage against Jokic, then he will probably uh, pop out to three, but he, he likes to pump fake so much. So we'll see, we'll see if he actually shoots the ball, but uh, if he hits five threes, then that probably helps Denver. If he doesn't hit any threes, then I'd, I'd probably give it the Clippers way. Uh, but we're, we're going to see, man. It was a lot of fun talking to you. I, I really appreciate you hopping on with me. Uh, this should be a really interesting and and telling postseason for the two of our teams. Although Denver does have that immunity card with with Murray now out, but uh, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing what Michael Porter can do because it I I don't know how to like it's it's very possible he could just average 28 in a playoff series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just I don't I don't know how to quantify that. Yeah, I mean, it, it could end up being a good thing in the long run. Probably not because losing a, a year at a, at a championship is not, never a good thing. Um, but if if it unlocks something new in Michael Porter, it, it could maybe end up working out over the next couple of years. You've been awesome, man. Hey, thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, everybody, make sure to go follow him at Rich Homie Flom on Twitter. And then make sure to go check out 213 Hoops because great, great startup website that they have done. It's done numbers. You guys are doing great. Uh, and, uh, is there anything else you want to plug before you head out of here? No, um, we just have our podcast on there as well. The law of the jam, the pod, but you know, you can find that if you, if you go to the site, but yeah, thanks for plugging the site. Really appreciate it. And, and thanks for having me on the second best, uh, podcast title to pick action roll. So I, I appreciate you. You guys are great. Uh, thank you so much, man. The law of the jam, the podcast, make sure to go check it out. Everybody. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.